What is up? This is Ant from the World of WWE Podcast. You are checking out our Broken Skull Sessions recap series. We already did a recap last year on the Nature Boy Ric Flair's time with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which will be added to the playlist. However, this episode is the Broken Skull Sessions with The Undertaker. Now, for those who are unaware of what the Broken Skull Sessions is, the Broken Skull Sessions is a podcast hosted by WWE Hall of Famer and legend Stone Cold Steve Austin. And in this podcast that he hosts, he interviews many legends and current wrestlers in past WWE history and present time, as well as other wrestlers from different companies, which we'll get more into as the series progresses. But first, before we get into the interview, I want to thank you all for checking us out. You are listening to the World of WWE podcast, which is available everywhere podcasts are streaming, especially on places like Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Music. Wherever podcasts are available, we're also on YouTube. Just search the World of WWE podcast. You can find us there. We'll get more into that later on. But let's dive right into the interview. So Stone Cold first takes a little shot of a little whiskey with uh, The Undertaker to start off the night, your interview. And Stone Cold first asks Undertaker, you know, what got him into wrestling. And Undertaker talks about how he grew up watching Houston wrestling when he was younger um, he and his friends loved going to the shows and seeing wrestlers like the original Sheik. And the Undertaker remembers meeting Andre the Giant at one point and being able to shake his hand and found that to be a profound memory for him. And Undertaker, he did play basketball, but he really did enjoy wrestling. So he started training with Buzz Sawyer, who was a former wrestler and a good trainer. And it wasn't a great, um, you know... Not a great start for him because the training wasn't as extensive as he thought it was going to be. Uh, Undertaker got his first work in Memphis where he worked with the Godfather. And Stone Cold talks about having a match with the Punisher, which, you know, was who the Undertaker's name was in Memphis, where Stone Cold couldn't hear the Undertaker's calls. So the Undertaker had to take control and do everything and just say, listen to me, buddy, because Austin wasn't listening. And the match was, wasn't a terrible match, but because Austin wasn't following uh, or listening to Undertaker's lead during the match, it was hard for them to have a, a great match during that time. Uh, Undertaker then moved on to WCW World Championship Wrestling, where he teamed up with Dan Spivey to become the Skyscrapers. And uh, we, the way that everything worked out was there was a moment where they had a match, and the Undertaker remembers they are taking on the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom, possibly one of the greatest tag teams in the business. And they were very tough inside the ring and outside as well. And during the match, Danny Spivey attacked the Road Warriors with many multiple chair shots. And Undertaker was nervous, thinking, oh, shit, we're going to go backstage and get our asses handed to us by the Road Warriors. So they ended up uh, going backstage, and the Road Warriors came out, and they thanked Danny Spivey for the match. They shook his hand. And Undertaker was just surprised by the amount of respect 
and toughness that Danny Spivey had in the background that guys like the Road Warriors <laughs> shook their hands after getting annihilated in the ring. So then, later on, Danny Spivey eventually tells the Undertaker that he's done with WWE, he doesn't want to do it anymore, and he leaves. So, um, during this time, Undertaker is down on his luck because Ole Anderson and other WCW officials told him that no one would pay $2 to watch the Undertaker wrestle, which I think they're definitely eating their words, obviously now. So then he ends up talking about how he met Vince McMahon for the first time. Um, and, you know, Vince asked him what are things that, you know, he's really good at doing. And one of the things that Undertaker says that he's good at doing is singing in the shower. Uh, and uh, he was nervous that Vince McMahon would turn him into a guy who would sing in the shower. Because during that time period, the early, the late 80s, early 90s, Everything in WWE was pretty much gimmick-based. You know, Doink the Clown, Duke the Dumpters Rossi, The Million Dollar Man, Teddy Biasi, Coco Beware. Every, every character had some sort of job, employment, the big boss man, anything. Uh, and Undertaker was nervous now that he was going to be like a guy who sings. But Vince McMahon didn't really have anything for him. And he remembers when he was, when he did get hired by WWE and Survivor Series 1990, uh, was which the Undertaker was going to debut. He was nervous that they were going to make him jump out of the egg because leading up to Survivor Series, there was this whole mystery egg that people were going to wonder what was inside of it. It was going to hatch at the Survivor Series. And Undertaker was nervous that that was Vince McMahon's idea for his debut was to hatch out of the egg. But obviously that's not the case. Vince McMahon would later on call the Undertaker and he asks, you know, Mark, which is the Undertaker's real name, he goes, Vince says, is this the Undertaker? And at this point, the Undertaker and Vince McMahon had no conversations about this Undertaker gimmick at all. So this is Vince calling Mark saying, is this the Undertaker? And Mark said, yes. And he goes, okay, great. Vince says, you can come up to Connecticut. So at that point, the Undertaker starts to develop his gimmick and he looked at old westerns um you know and he, he looked at the way that they walked and their movements and he was sort of this gimmick of this sort of like slow but annihilated man and he studied people like michael myers and jason and he talks about how he lived his gimmick you know he always wore black and he he never really talked. He just would go out and live his life and live the gimmick, which a lot of wrestlers did back in the day. He talks about working with the American Dream Dusty Rhodes in his debut match at the Survivor Series, and he couldn't believe that at the Survivor Series, he was able to toss the American Dream Dusty Rhodes out. This is a man who had amazing matches and amazing career prior to this, and for not a rookie, but for someone like the Andrew debut, and two Dusty Rhodes, a rookie, to toss him out, he couldn't believe it. Um, but he did feel during the match, the Undertaker felt he had the crowd and that they were, you know, sort of, you know, in his pockets. The men in the match weren't really happy because the Undertaker's character couldn't sell any of the moves. He was a, like a zombie. He was an old way. He's not going to take any move and get attacked. So the wrestlers were upset and Undertaker immediately thanked Dusty Rhodes, 
when he got backstage for the match and the moment that they shared together in the ring. And Stone Cold then asked Taker, you know, who are some men that you look to as inspiration for your character? And he, you know, he, or, or advice, and he would go to Jake the Snake Roberts a lot for advice when it came to putting the gimmick together. And, you know, Jake said that, you know, he taught me the importance of speaking low. When you're talking really low, you're trying to pay more attention to what the character is saying. So when the Undertaker is saying things like, I am going to kill you. You're really listening to hear what I'm saying and you're hearing I am going to kill you, which is not a great thing to say. Enough, trust me. Uh, so then he, uh, Undertaker talks about how, you know, he had a, Put his ego aside because Undertaker, his matches weren't going to be 20-minute matches. They were going to be against men who were top talent, but they're not going to put on matches that long in that moment during that time. So he had to eat his pride and watch all these men um, tearing up the house, doing all these high-flying moves that the Undertaker could do. But because of the character, he couldn't perform that way. For years, he felt like he was, you know, regular, and then he felt his chains broke free when he became the American Badass in 2000. So The Undertaker um, debuted. He was nervous coming back to WWE at Judgment Day in May of 2000. During that time, he had a groin injury and tore his pec prior, and he was out. He was off TV for a couple of months. Um... The Undertaker loved drinking whiskey with wrestlers. Uh, he talked about one night how he wanted to take a break because they had a big, um, they had a big tour coming up soon, and he wanted to take a break. But he meets the band members of Cypress Hill, who are known for partying really hot, good and hard. Uh, and you know, Cypress Hill say as he goes to leave, "I heard you could go." As Undertaker's about to leave, so Undertaker took on that challenge. And X-Pac and the Undertaker were smoking. He never really smoked pot. However, you know, he just, whatever, people were drinking. And the Undertaker eventually outdrank everybody. And they all passed out except him. And uh, he Undertaker was, like, really, like, dead inside. But he showed up the next morning to see the guys like he was fine. And that is a defining story of the Undertaker in one way. We see a picture of the Undertaker with his friends. Uh, you know, Kevin Ash and Scott Hall were going to WCW right after the picture was taken. And he talks about the curtain call moment with the click. That was when Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, and Triple H all came together, raised each other's hands, and hugged in Madison Square Garden, which was a big deal because two of them were heels and two of them were baby faces. So to see them at that time break character break the fourth wall was a big deal. So he felt like um, w Undertaker felt like WWE's content was catered more toward kids at the time, while WWE was more adult and edgier. And he Undertaker never left WWE during the hard times, during you know the 83 weeks that they got beat, because he felt like Vince gave him an opportunity that no one else would. And he wanted to be um, truthful and honor that and be loyal to him. He talks about how Vince McMahon trusted him, and Vince allowed the Undertaker to have some creative decisions for his character. And 
the crazy part that our teacher talks about is that during that time, the eight, three weeks, business was so bad that he made more money in one check than he made in that whole year that the business was bad, which is insane to think about. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about The Undertaker, um, his demons that he's dealt with being a um, his some of his his matches with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker WrestleMania, dealing with the hospitals, and uh, a couple of other moments. So stick around. We'll be right back with Broken School Sessions. And welcome back. Yes, definitely check us out on Anchor, the only platform that you will, it's not the only platform, but it's the best platform to use to create your own podcast for free. Definitely check it out on Anchor.fm. We are also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and wherever podcasts are streaming, make sure you subscribe and like us on, well, you can't really like us, but you can't you can subscribe on our on the streaming platform. But you can like us on YouTube. Go on YouTube and search the World of WWE Podcast. Subscribe, like, hit the notification bell to stay notified when new content is created. So definitely check us out on those different platforms. So getting back to the Broken School Sessions with The Undertaker. Undertaker felt he was very proud of his four WrestleMania matches with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. At WrestleMania 28, which was his match against Triple H, the Hell in a Cell, the Undertaker wasn't sure if he would be back at WrestleMania 29. He said that the send-off between the three, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and himself, was organic. They really were the last sort of three men of the 90s to still be doing it in 2012 at that time. So... The Undertaker was in pain after all four of the matches. And the Undertaker's biggest demon was becoming a parody of himself. He didn't want to go out there and have shitty matches because he couldn't do it. So he thinks that some of the matches that he had, um, you know, it makes you think that you stayed too long in the business, that maybe he should have stopped before. Um, After his match at WrestleMania with Roman Reigns, he placed his attire on the mat thinking he was done. However, he didn't really like the match with Reigns. He didn't think it was a great match on his part. Uh, he talks about how it could have been a good thing to walk away after the streak ended with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. Uh, the beginning of the match with Brock Lesnar at the WrestleMania 30, he became concussed. So he doesn't really remember most of the match at all. And he actually spent the night in the hospital after WrestleMania 30. Um, during the match, Brock did not know that the Undertaker was concussed until afterwards. And Undertaker fell after the match. He didn't want to finish his career not remembering his last match. He felt that guys like Shawn Michaels were at peace when they retired. Um, but he didn't feel that in this moment. So then he had another match against Goldberg uh, in Saudi Arabia, which he felt was so bad that he needed to have another match with I understand. Um, and then Undertaker apologizes to um, for hurting the Undertaker's ear. And the Undertaker's like, well, you actually have to apologize to Kurt Angle because Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon were on a um, flight. It was one of the flights from hell. And they got into an argument. And the two were basically, it wasn't an argument. They were basically betting on who could take down who. And Kurt Angle took down Vince. 
And Undertaker wakes up. He was sleeping when they were, like, talking about, you know, the takedown moment. And he wakes up, and he puts Kurt Angle in a sleeper hold. Um, and, yeah. So, <laughs> that was a moment. Um, and he talks about laughing um, about the Undertaker's hair in Kuwait. During a battle royal, someone had a side headlock chain going on. And the Undertaker's on the apron. He turned around, and Stone Cold laughed at him. And then the Undertaker started laughing during this moment. Um, this happened in a soccer arena in front of the 800 people. The thing is that, so it wasn't really viewed by many people, Undertaker did not like to break character, obviously. And the the show ends with just clips of Undertaker breaking character, um, JBL trying to make Undertaker laugh, um, Stone Cold repeating Vince, the Undertaker backstage, and Undertaker's looking like he's trying to hold it in. Booger Taker, Booger Taker, Booger T asking the Undertaker to do a spin rooney um, all these moments, and Austin kind of ends it on that, which is sort of like, you know, celebrating the Undertaker, and, you know, sending him off that he's a real person, but his legacy still lives on today. So, the Undertaker, this was an amazing interview, it was great to get a little bit more in-depth on him. We will see a second interview with the Undertaker later on in the series. However, our next episode, the next Broken Skull Sessions, will be with Bill Goldberg. And he's going to be talking a lot about his football career, his undefeated streak in WCW, his time in WWE, and coming back in 2016, what that was like. Hear all about that next time on the Broken Skull Sessions. Bye.